0: Welcome back to The Risk Report. This is episode number 85. Today is August 2nd, 2022. And um, for today's episode, I actually wanted to do something a little different. I'm actually going to break down a book. Um, this book is called The Alchemist, as you can probably figure from the title because I'm just going to name it The Alchemist. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to dive right into that today because this is a book that to give some context, I was I had known about this book for a decade or so, maybe more, right? When I got to college, um, a good friend of mine named Peter, he actually told me I should read that book, read that book. And so for since then I had been told to read that book by maybe one or two people. And I never read it because I'm a lazy bastard. I don't read too much, you know, I don't read too much. And um But recently, like this last week, I want to say this past week, I just started kind of seeing things where it's like the alchemist or I don't know what the fuck happened, but it got me thinking about that again, about that book. And, um, and I was seeking it out. I was like, you know what? Let me go buy a copy of the alchemist. So I started typing in, um, where, where can I go buy a copy of the alchemist near me? Right. Where can I find a copy? And then. I think that a day after that, I had been like looking for it, or in in my mind of looking for the book. Um, I went to my friend Allie, Ali Embry, who actually has a podcast. We did a podcast about a week ago. Um, she came over to do the po- her podcast, but um, I went down to her place for she needed some help with some fucking bullshit. Honestly, some uh, <laughs> some Pacinos thing, and she needed my mustache and hair but so I go there to help her out, and boom, there's the book, right and the book itself is actually you know it's about symbols it's about omens in life it's about following your path and um and so I had that little bit of contest context from what I had researched on the book um and so I looked at that as a sign itself that I had, uh, thought about it and boom, right there is the opportunity to take it and read it. And so she let me borrow it cause she hadn't read it yet. And, um, and I devoured that book. I, I, I read it in, in two days. I read it. Um, I got it Saturday, Saturday night, and then we all went out and stuff party for Lorenzo's birthday. And, um. I came home, woke up the next day, literally read that all day. Read, read I think, like 85 pages in the first day or something. And then the next day I, I read the rest. And so here we are. All right. Monday. It's still a little fresh in my head, um, having read the book fairly recently. And so I wanted to talk about that because <clears throat> um, many, many podcasts ago, I had a podcast on synchronicities and signs in life, thing things that I've seen and noticed in my own life that um, I just couldn't deny were, you know, it was like a feeling. And when you're seeing these symbols, whether it appears to you in however way it does appear to you, you know, for me, it was shapes of hearts, right? Um, everything had, not everything, but these little signs and symbols at certain points in my life showed up as the shape of hearts is the best way that I could describe it. You know, for someone, it might be a blue jay or something, right? Just just picking out things in life that for some reason hit a chord and remind you of something or get you moving in a certain direction. And so I'm, I'm a firm believer in the synchronicities and signs of life because I've lived through my own, and through the experiences, I can only describe, I guess, how it feels, and but also that, for some reason, it has some importance in the direction of my life, and um, so, yeah, let's fucking break down into this. I'm, I'm probably going to be a little all over the place, because, you know, it's not like I went on Spark notes, it's not like I um, looked up stuff like I just I read the book and I was like really kind of there were certain moments in the book where I felt connected I almost got chills about because it was like um you know to me this book is a symbolic reference of what you're gonna go through in life if you pursue what it is you want to pursue truly truly like if you don't give in to your fears and if you completely go for it and you know go for your passions and do it with passion and just are happy to be alive you're gonna see signs in life right and so this is gonna be this is like uh, uh this book is a symbolic version a metaphorical version in these in this story um of what i think humans go through some of us most of us maybe you know to various degrees. And what's beautiful is that the book shows you the various degrees. It's a short book. It's a short novel. Um, you get introduced to a handful of characters, and it's very kind of I don't know, it flowed well, right? And I was reading it, I wasn't overwhelmed, I just kind of kept reading and reading and reading. And like I said, I don't read much. So me seeing that book at a friend's house having thought of it you know in some weird way to me it was like all right that's life conjuring it up <clears throat> for me to read it and i think it came at a very i don't know if i'm going to use the word if i want to use the word crucial but it came to me at a nice point in my life where you know i don't know if the people listening maybe from my previous podcast may may have felt in the tone of something Where I did a couple podcasts ago have a a revelation or a realization that, you know, I have been working towards music and art and everything for so long and it's not exactly where I wanted it to be. You know, um, I have successes in art. I have, you know, my successes in career and stuff, but it's not what I had originally envisioned as my dream or, or if this is my dream or, you know, I'm having those struggles. I'm also having the struggles of my, my, what I described in my last podcast, my duty and my obligation to music, you know, something that I had felt so fucking strongly about three years ago. It's not that I wouldn't say has dissipated, but my focus, my soul focus hasn't been on that anymore you know because of my career and because of these things in life they kind of put me in a certain spot in a certain mode and a certain work ethic that i think i haven't <clears throat> given as much as i could to music and 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 also my other disciplines in a sense you know and so this book reading it kind of I would just, I would say calm me a little bit, but just made me realize that this is all part of it. And, um, and as maybe we go in the book, I'm just kind of going to give mad spoilers. I'm pretty much going to break down the whole book from the, from the beginning. It shouldn't be too long. You know, I kind of just have little bullet points of how it goes and I'm probably just going to briefly explain it (laughs) super shittily. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to break that, break it down and, and discuss to you the moments that really stuck out to me. Um, So the book itself, like I said, is about um, omens and your signs in life. It's also about personal legends, right? Fulfilling one's destiny. It's about love. It's about fear. It's about having faith in the unknown. Um, in, It's about God. It's about universe. It's about, you know. A lot, a lot packed in this little novel. And so the book starts off and it's about this shepherd boy, young shepherd boy who, I mean, it doesn't really describe his age. I'm guessing he's a teenager, right? He's probably in his late 16 or 17 or something. But he was educated. His father, a farmer, um, had sent him to school when the kid graduated school. He came to his father. And his father uh, told him, all right, well, you know, what are you going to do? You going to get a job. You're going to farm here. What are you going to do? And the boy said, well, I want to farm or I want to I travel the world. I don't want to farm. You know, I don't want to keep going to school. I don't want to do this. I, don't, I want to travel the world. And he said, you have to have a lot of money to travel the world. And the world is dangerous. And the world is this. And the world, everything you could ever have is right here. You know, people, people come travel over to where we are. And, want to, and never want to leave. They want to stay here, right? So why would you want to go anywhere? This is what the father was kind of telling to the kid, kind of instilling fears or self-doubts and stuff. And, you know, the boy was kind of adamant about, well, I just, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to see the world. There's something that is yearning for me to see the world. So the father says, um, there's only two ways to travel the world. You either have to be extremely wealthy or you have to be a shepherd. Right? If you're a shepherd, you can walk throughout all of this fucking Europe, you know, selling your sheep all of Spain, selling your sheep, traveling from city to city and um that's how you'll make your living. And so the boy said, "All right, then I'll be a shepherd." <clears throat> so the dad didn't say anything. Next morning, the dad comes up to the kid, his kid, and he's like, "Here, And he gives them, I think it was a couple gold coins. He said, take this and invest into your, you know, your first flock of sheep. And so that, that right there off rip from the beginning kind of hit a chord with me because, um, you know, my family is, is a family of professionals of, of professional working people, going to school, graduating college, getting degrees, masters, PhDs, and all this and that. And I didn't want to do that. You know, I, from, from early on, early on, they could see that I w- I wanted to do music. I wanted to art and skate and fuck off, you know, like, I don't want to do this and stuff. <laughs> and so it was always a battle. And my dad was always like, well, how are you going to make money? How are you going to do this? How are you going to, he's like, Oh, you know, you can make music and do whatever you want. Once you show me that you're making some money off of it. He was just kind of like, kind of like that instilling those fears of like, well, how are you going to do it? You know? Cause I, we couldn't figure it out. We know, we know that this is the way, this way works for us. How's that going to work for you? Now with those With those kind of doubts or those kinds of things, he still, I very vividly remember this, he saw that no matter what he said to me, I still stuck myself in the room, and I would write, and I would rap, and he'd hear me rapping this crazy shit and just screaming it into a microphone in my fucking closet, and one day he just decided to come into the room and knock, and he's like, hey, let's, let's set up a little studio here in your room. And he helped me set up like phone, you know, kind of soundproof the the fucking closet and all this stuff. And so he kind of showed a a support. They always show me a support to just try it out. Even though you might fall, it might not be all that worth it, right? It might be a phase, but he still showed the support. Now, in hindsight, maybe he just wanted to soundproof the thing so he didn't hear my shitty rapping, right? (laughs) 15, 14, you know, saying this crazy shit. He probably just didn't want to hear it, but I'll never forget it because it kind of came out to me as support, even though, and that's not to say that they don't believe in me or this or that. My parent, my dad, especially parents are just realistic people, right? They're just realistic about things. And, um, So that moment in the book kind of stuck out to me off rip from the, from the beginning kind of gave me a little bit of chills because I had a connection in that, in that little story right there. So the kid goes off, becomes a shepherd, learns a lot from the sheep. He can't tell if he's learning from the sheep or if he's just learning from observing the sheep. Either way, he becomes a great sheep herder. Couple years down the line, or maybe a couple months down the line, he keeps having these reoccurring dreams, right? And the dreams are of him in in Egypt, right at right at the pyramids. This is a Spaniard in the probably like seventeen eighteen hundreds, right? And excuse me, um, he's never been to Egypt, doesn't know anything about Egypt, doesn't know anything about the pyramids, but he knows that he sees these pyramids in his dreams. And that there's a boy that shows him when he gets, when he's in the dream, there's uh, like a boy or someone that shows him this treasure where this treasure is hidden in in Egypt. And so he keeps having this recurring dream. One day he stumbles into a town. Meanwhile, he's just right. He's, he's having a good time. He's living the life that he wanted to kind of go out and search for. He's traveling. He's drinking mad wine right? He's, he's meeting girls. He's, he's just traveling from city. He's meeting people. He's traveling and learning and, and seeing the world, what he thinks is the world, right? All while having this recurring dream. He gets to this town and in this town, he sees a gypsy mo- woman while he's waiting, right? He's waiting. Um, I guess the guy that he's going to sell his sheep to, he wasn't ready. He so said, come back in a little bit. So he's waiting and this gypsy woman sees him. <clears throat> so he has an interaction with the gypsy woman. He says, fuck it. Let me, let me get my palms read. And he goes there and she starts kind of describing what he's seeing in this, in, in his dream. You know, you're seeing a dream, recurring dream of the great pyramids, right? He's like, what the fuck? How does she know this? He thought she was kind of a con artist. Maybe she's just a crazy old gypsy woman. They travel, they thieve, they're thieves, and blah blah blah. (laughs) She said, I will tell you, I will tell you um what you need to know about your dream if um if you give me one tenth of your treasure. And he's like, one tenth of my treasure. I don't know where to find it. You know, what are the odds that I'm gonna give it to this woman? Sure. She doesn't really tell him anything. She just says, You can find your treasure at the pyramids or under un, like somewhere at your heart, you know, where somewhere where you make it makes you weep at the pyramids, right? And he's like, What the fuck? I could have just I could have just figured that out on my own or whatever. This is just a dream, this is craziness, whatever. Pay no attention to it later. He's he sits down. He's I think he sold his sheep or put his sheep in in like a in like a stable. And he stayed at that city for the night. And he's like, I'm just going to drink and whatever. Have fun. Chill. He's reading his book. And this old man sits down right next to him. Old man kind of starts striking up a conversation. The kid's not interested. He wants to read his book and sip his wine. The old man's like, you know, can I have a sip of your wine? Blah, blah, blah. Kid being nice, nice guy, lets them kind of just hang out, they start talking, and then the old man starts kind of telling him about his dream as well, right, they start talking about things, philosophies, and this and that, he starts kind of realizing, like, well, this man's, this man's a cultured man, right, and then gets tripped out when he starts talking about the kid's dream, and how he has to go for it. And the kid's like, maybe the gypsy woman set, her, set me up. This is probably her husband, blah, blah, blah. And the old man reveals himself to be an old king, right? <clears throat> a king with riches. And he says, unlike the gypsy woman, I won't, uh, I won't charge you a tenth of your treasure, but I will take a tenth of your flock. And he's like, what? He's like, a tenth of your flock you sell me your flock you'll have enough money to get to the moors i think it was where it was like somewhere where you crossed the channel between spain and you kind of got to the to the north i'm guessing northwest of africa um but he said you have to you have to have faith in your dream you know if this is something you really want to do and the whole time they're talking about following these signs following these omens and and that these are signs in life and you can't really um, you can't really ignore them. You know, if they're calling you, that's what your obligation is. And that's what your duty is. Right. So he's kind of striking a chord with the kid, the kid that the old man leaves and the kid thinks about it for the night. Kid ends up selling him his old flock. I think he sells the 10th to the guy and he sells, um, and and meanwhile, part of the deal was that the old man's going to tell him where to find the treasure. He sells him a 10th of the flock. He sells the other guy that was holding the stable. I think the rest of his flock, he had enough money He had more money than he had ever had. And the guy tells him basically nothing, right? And forget it's something, something like real simple that it's like, what? I could have just tried that myself, right? He didn't really need to sell a 10th of his flock for him, but he says, right? The whole time there's this fear of the unknown of, wow, what am I doing? What am I going for? And you see that internal struggle with the kid. Nevertheless, he's got balls. He goes for it, right? So he goes, he arrives in this strange land, an Arabic land, a land he knows nothing of the language, doesn't know how to communicate with people. It's, it's a, a, a town of thieves, right? And this is where he lands uh, after selling his flock. He's got all this money. He goes to a bar. And at the bar, he meets a kid around his age. They start talking. He tells him that he's got to get to Egypt, if he could help him get to Egypt, because the kid, the Arabic kid spoke some Spanish. So the kid's like, oh, I can take you there, but we have to take two camels. So they go, they leave out of the bar. Um, The bartender's kind of like yelling in Arabic, and the kid thinks that, oh, the guy doesn't like me or whatever. I'm just going to stick with this kid. So they leave. He later realizes that the bartender was probably warning him. So the guy that fucking he meets ends up taking his cash and leaving him there. Right. Leaving him in this middle of this town. Busy as fuck. Has no idea who or what anything is. It's all different. Right. Because he got stuck looking at this sword. This incredible sword. And the kid took his money. So boom. Off rip. Sells all his shit right he he goes for it he takes the leap of faith he goes for the unknown in search of his his personal legend in search of his truth um his his uh true duty in life and what does he do the first thing he lands he gets fucking robbed for every single penny he's got everything he'd worked for he was pissed but then he kind of was thinking about the old king and the wise words that he was saying to him about you know about kind of persevering through this and um and what what it meant to follow that personal legend, right? That was far more important than the the suffering and all that. So the kid decides to just walk away. He's thinking about all this shit. He comes across his glass shop. This this Arabic old man um, sells crystals and sells glass and you know these nice glass uh, things you can drink out of and stuff like that. So the kid walks by. He starts. He starts cleaning them. <laughs> he starts cleaning them, and the guy, old man, walks out. And he's like, "What the fuck are you doing, right?" And the kid's like, "If I clean all of these in your store, will you feed me today?" And the guy, the, the old man, kind of took pity on him. He said, "Gosh, nah, clean all of it." And so the kid cleans it up, all of it. <clears throat> And then the I think people started walking in and started buying. So off rip the kid cleaning the the glass. People saw the glasses more attractive when they walked by. They started buying. And I think he sold like two or three. So the guy's like, "Fuck it, I'll go buy you. I'll go buy you lunch for that." Offers him a job. The kid's like, "Well, I really have to get to Egypt, but I just got robbed and I have no money. Um, I just got here from Spain." The guy said, "Well, you can work for me." You'd have to work for me for years to get to Egypt. Or you could work for me for the next year and you can go back to Spain. So the kid decides, fuck it. I have no money. What do I have to lose? I'm just going to work here. The kid works there for a whole year. And in that time, brings the old man more business than he had ever dreamed. He had to expand things. The kid brought ideas to the old man. That weren't, you know, he hadn't thought of, and it brought him so many, so much more business. He was more lucrative and the guy was making more money than he had thought he could. And here you see a different side where the old man, all all in the while they're having conversations, right, about their personal legends and what the, what the, you know, this boy is so passionate and he's like a philosopher, you know, without knowing it, and he's just always thinking about his meaning in life, his role in life. And um, they have these discussions, and the, the Arabic man being Muslim talks of Allah, and, you know, what is written is what it is, right? Um, what will be, what will be is, you know, what God has decided for us, basically. That's what it is, Right. But this old man has the perspective of he's content with where he's at. He, he doesn't need to dream more. You know, he doesn't need to expand because then it just becomes more burden for him. And so you see this uh, struggle with that man, the man who was too fearful to achieve greatness because he was complacent in life. And from all these people that the kid meets, the old man, the king, the, the the store owner, the thief, right? All these characters that kinda come in. He learns from every everyone. He learns from the animals that he took care of. He learns from the animals he sees in the in the in the book throughout the book. The kid becomes more and more in tune with seeing the signs in life the closer he gets towards his goal. So <clears throat> um then comes the day where the kid has enough money. The kid was making commissions and they were selling like fucking crazy, right? They're selling all this glass. Then the kid realizes that the people have to walk up this mountain to kind of get to this area where the shop is. And he noticed that people would go up for the walks and they would come down from the mountains and they'd be thirsty. They're like, damn, we, you know, thirsty. We've been walking forever. And he realizes, well, wow, why don't we just fucking sell tea here? We can sell tea in the nice glass and maybe that'll make people stop in, buy buy the tea and want to buy the glass. So with that idea brought them big money because then they started making mad tea and selling the tea and people started coming from all over just for the shop and they had to hire more people. And that's when the kid decided, OK, it's I've made my money. I can go back to Spain Buy my uh, she—buy you know a thing of sheep, a flock of sheep, bigger than the one that I had before. I can return to my life. I can make you know money and blah blah blah. Right, the safe route, the safe route. What he knew how to do, but then again, the nagging inside of his soul, the nagging in his heart of, but the dream, you know, I can't, I can't not realize this to my full potential. I can't not go for it. Right. Um, and so he has those internal struggles about going over. And so, boom, he decides from some other omen that I can't really remember. The dude decides to dip out, um, goes to uh, Egypt. He finds finally somebody that will take them to Egypt. I think it was a caravan of, of like a bunch of people, and they had to migrate through the desert, right, to get to Egypt. <clears throat> This whole like desert trip, I think, was about three months or something like that. Or no, it was about 30 days. 30 days. It was a month. And um, in it, he met an Englishman. And the Englishman is looking for an alchemist. He traveled all the way out there because he had heard there had been this alchemist that's over 200 years old and turns um, lead into gold with the Philosopher's Stone and has the elixir of life and all this shit, right? <clears throat> And so he, this Englishman who had been, you know, just very intellectual his whole life, uh, scholarly into the books, has studied alchemy his entire life, was over there ready to meet this man. And the boy is just telling him, well, it's crazy because what we're talking about when they were talking about personal legends and this and that, <clears throat> he said, he's just out there because of a dream and he's going out there to Egypt. So they both kind of connected. And so they were, they were friendly and the guy gave him some alchemy books, which the kid didn't really understand much of the alchemy, um, the, the literature inside of the alchemy books to him. It, it was simple, I think is how he described it. And this moment of the book where he's in, in the desert, And he's starting to work, get real a lot closer to his dream of getting to Egypt. Still not the pyramids, but getting out there or getting closer to Egypt. Um, I saw this journey through the desert as almost like the monotony in life, you know, in a sense of like every day is the same. The silence, only the wind, just walking through this, you know, mirage of the desert to find this oasis that they're supposedly be heading to because there's like warring tribes so they have to be careful out in the desert and they just have to hit that oasis that's the neutral point <clears throat> so to me, I saw that moment in the book as kind of like the monotony in life where even if you are going for your dream, even when you are um, achieving the goals that you need to achieve to get to your dream and you know you're getting closer. It's going to be monotonous because you have to work at things. You have to do them over and over and over and over and over again to get better. And even if you fucking love that, it does get monotonous. And so I like that part of the book because in a symbolic way, there was a lot of reflecting, you know, silence with him and reflecting into his heart and a little closer to his heart, who he really is as a person. <clears throat> But was mundane in a sense, like, was kind of just looking forward to getting to the oasis as everyone else was, because they're just going through this, you know, desert, even though it was beautiful, right? <clears throat> um, so, where am I at? Fuck. And, uh, yeah, I think he, they walked it for a month. <clears throat> they get to the oasis and in this oasis um the oasis, like I said, it's supposed to be this neutral ground, this neutral ground where the warring tribes they're not gonna fuck with each other, they each have oasises, you know these these fertile grounds in the middle of the desert, where women and children are, and we know we're not gonna go over there and fuck with them so there the the Englishman and the boy kind of kinda um. Split up, but before they get split up, the the Englishman asked the boy, "Can you go find uh uh tell find the alchemist? Let's go find the alchemist. You can speak Arabic because by this time the kid, you know, working in the glass shop for all all that time, and he learned Arabic. He was he was well versed in it, <clears throat> and um, he started asking people around. Well, this girl came by, and she came up, and he was just like." blown away, right, love at first sight, the dude saw her, and he's like, that's, that's my treasure, you know, that's the love of my life, wow, like, he just couldn't describe the feeling, that was her, right, I had, I had come here searching for my personal treasure, and boom, look at what I see, right, but this wasn't the pyramids, right, that's what kind of his thoughts reminded him of, was like, this wasn't the original dream, but could she be part of the dream, right, And, um, they, they have this moment. Well, let me not get ahead of it. So anyways, he meets her. Um, they don't know where to find the alchemist. No one's ever heard of this alchemist. Some people started talking about sorcerers and shit like that. So the Englishman goes off. He, He goes to study and he goes to try and find the alchemist for himself. Meanwhile, the alchemist who is at the oasis already knew that his disciple was coming. His next disciple was coming to him because apparently, you know, of course this guy's been around for 200 years. He's had other disciples. He's the fucking man, right? He's the alchemist. Um, But he knew that his disciple was to be there at the Oasis. So he was kind of already like scoping it out. The boy starts talking to that girl kind of night after night because they, they get stuck there. They said the caravan that was taking them to Egypt said, no, we have to stay at this oasis because it's the only neutral ground and the warring tribes will probably kill us and take our stuff and whatever if we cross the deserts. So they had to stay there. So the boy, night after night, he goes there, he starts talking to the girl, they become friends, and he professes his love to her. And um, the girl pretty much shows that she's the one that's meant to be with him. Because she says, well, here, you know, I'm a woman of the desert and the women of the desert take pride in men um, going to the desert to find their treasures and coming back. You know, we take pride in that. And so to him, it was like, even though he was so in love with this girl and wanted to stay there and forget about the dream altogether, he had someone that supported his dream of going out there and hoping that he would return. Right. So. They kind of have that if it's meant to be, it's meant to be type of um, mentality um, in their relationship. Well, one night the boy walks out to the desert just to kind of have some time to himself, reflect, reflect on his dreams because now he's confused. Now he's in love with this woman and he wants to spend his life here, but he still has his dream that he has to go after. So. Um, he goes out, and while he's there, he's looking at these hawks, and they're flying. These hawks are flying in pattern together. It looked like they were um, loving each other, these, these hawks, right? Flying in sync and, and kind of uh, in a loving way. And then all of a sudden, one of the hawks turns way to the right and starts attacking the other one. And the boy, now having seen so many signs, so many omens in life, gifts from the old king i forgot to mention the gifts from the old king the gift gave him gold and he also gave him two things two stones i think they're called Thurm and urm and it's a black stone and a white stone and those were alchemist stones that um, the englishman who was studying alchemy also had so that was a connection between the two of them and it's basically these stones that when you're at a time where you can't figure it out, you kind of, I forget what the f- ritual is, but you kind of play with these stones and you open the bag and you see which stone you pull out. That's your answer, yes or no. <clears throat> um, so that's what he was left with. And so he's, he started seeing mad signs and recognizing and became better at recognizing these synchronicities and signs in life. He notices that the bird did that, boom, attacked the other one out of nowhere. And took that as a message and interpreted as, um, the warring tribes are going to come through to this neutral oasis and attack us. So he goes to, he starts talking to the guy who owned the caravan, who he had become friendly with, a camel rider. And he tells him of his vision. The camel rider kind of shrugs it off, um says we're in neutral ground blah 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 and you know made some valid points but the kid can't let it go he goes to uh the englishman i believe and brings it up and then finally he said you know what i have to protect fatima which is the girl he, he fell in love with and he goes right to the chieftains right he goes right to the chieftains and he says um i have a vision to the guy out in the front he says i had a vision of these two hawks they showed me that we're going to get attacked. The oasis is going to be under attack. And he said, wait here. Goes in, talks to the chief, comes back out. He says, okay, come in. He goes in and he walks into this tent in the middle of this oasis where there's a bunch of like tents and shops and stuff like that. This was the most decorative. This one inside was covered in gold and jewels and beautiful rugs and everyone was smoking and it was just filled filled with smoke, hookah smoke and shit. And he could tell that there were all these important men, but at the middle was the important man, the chief, right? And so they go, okay, well, tell us what the fuck is it that you saw? And the boy says, uh, well, I saw these. He explains, right? i I've become uh, very, doesn't even say that yet. I think he was like, uh, I saw these hawks. One was, they were flying pattern. Then the other one attacked it out of nowhere. I'm taking that sign as that you're going to get attacked, you know, sometime soon. He said, well, the warring tribes know that this is a neutral ground. This is our oasis and blah, blah, blah. And the kid said, I only know how to interpret these, these messages. You know, I don't know why or exactly or when, you know. And so the guy says, all right, um, I will give you, I think it was like 50 gold pieces for every or a gold piece for every man um, we kill tomorrow, if this uh, ends up being true. If it's not true, we're just going to kill you, right? And so the kid's like, oh, shit, man, right? What, what did I do? So he goes off, and he starts thinking about life. <clears throat> and the next day, or actually, before it's the next day, so he, he leaves the tent, they let him go. And again, he walks out kind of like towards his tent and realizes, all right, my tent's like 20 minutes away. I got a bit of a walk. I'm just going to ride out. He starts walking. All of a sudden, this guy on a horse with a giant sword comes by and he thinks, oh my God, this is it. This is the invader, right? Points the sword right at him, draws a little bit of blood because it points it right at his forehead. And he said, "Um, why did you you, uh, tell the chieftain about my hawks? And he thought, oh, this is the invader, right? And um, the kid said, I just, you know, I just interpret these messages. And the mysterious man on the horse kind of talks to him for a little bit, ends up being the alchemist. He says, he says to the boy, if you're still alive tomorrow, come find me. And he rides off. (coughs) The next day comes by. (coughs) And in the morning, they had moved all the women and children to the other side of the oasis. <clears throat> and at the front, they left a couple tents for decoys. Well, some some of the opposing warring tribes came over, started kind of lighting these tents on fire. And the men came by and ambushed the warring tribe that was invading their oasis. Boom. Boom. They killed the the infidels, right? They killed the guys that were um, coming to storm the Oasis, and they gave the boy 50 gold pieces or whatever the fuck it was, a ton of money for the kid. And he said, uh, you know, blah, 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 gives him his money. And then he goes and finds the alchemist. And when he finds the alchemist, this is when it really kind of just starts switching for him because... The alchemist is kind of cold and um, short with him, but is willing to help him on his journey and kind of gives him that push, right? A thing that the old man had said that at the beginning, you'll have, uh, when you start off your journey, you'll have this beginner's luck. But as you grow more into it um, and the closer you get, you will be tested. And the test is what will reveal if you master, you know, your... Your um, dream, so to say, your personal legend. And so this guy, he's a little harsher on him, um, this old alchemist. But he tells him that he could take him to Egypt. And that he'd have to sell his camel for a horse, right? So that's what the boy does. He goes out, sells his... his, um, his camel for a horse the next day and in that time goes to the love of his life and of course he's contemplating you see the the back and forth of should i just go out there and you know cross while there's this fucking war going on and risk my life or you know should i just stay here with her and he and he talks about this with the alchemist and the alchemist kind of Reveals to him, well, this is what would happen. You would stay here that first year. You'd become counsel to the chieftain because of, you know, your visions. You'd grow and amass wealth and become a very powerful man in the village by the second year. But by the third year, your visions are going to start coming back, right? You'll realize that you had this dream that you never accomplished in a way on your heart. And in that time, your wife will feel bad. Cause she'll feel that she's the reason, you know, that you never achieved your dreams. And then it becomes this rift and then you're not happening. It kind of like reveals the, that future to him. <clears throat> and so the boy goes to his girl and um, he tells her, look, this is just what I have to do. I will come back. I will come back. And she's stoked. She's like, yes, this is the fucking man I want, right? Go get your shit. Right. I'll be here. I'll be here. I'll be waiting for you. And so, and the whole time he's thinking like, that's my treasure right there, man. And this whole thing, I've met all these cool people. I've met this journey. You know, he's really, the shitty things that happen throughout the the journey are nothing and are outweighed by, you know, how much he's enjoyed meeting all these people and what he's learned in this journey of life. So the alchemist, so it ends up that the boy is the alchemist's true disciple, not the fucking Englishman, right? So the boy was just following his dream and happened to meet this alchemist. Alchemist knew he was coming. Alchemist takes him. Um, and in the meantime, right, the boy now again has riches again, has mad money, more money than before even. He's got mad money and he goes with the alchemist they get they they're wandering the sands you know um talking about life talking about the omens talking about the personal legends and why it's so important to achieve these things and having these you know these discussions that are I don't, those are those are the most symbolic i think in, in the sense of like how we can kind of interpret certain moments in our lives <clears throat> um so the boy and the alchemist they end up getting stopped by uh by a warring tribe, of course. <coughs> the warring tribe take all their gold, but before they take all their gold, the guy the, the alchemist being so old and, and smart and having experienced life, he goes, There's gold in that bag, right before they fucking were gonna rob it, anyways. There's gold in that bag, you can have it if you set us free, blah blah blah. The guy said so the chief of that warring tribe said um, uh, something of like, "It's already mine. I'm taking it." But I will amuse you, sure. Um, and then he, they made a deal. And he basically, basically, the deal was, Alchemist said to the to the chief, he says, "The boy will turn into the wind in three days. You got to give him three days." But he will turn into the wind, and he will blow this whole like encampment from it's from from the ground like it'll be the most massive wind you've ever seen in your life the chief being a believer in Allah he wanted to see this he said fine I'll I'll for the gold pieces I will reward you with the three days you have to save your life boy and the alchemist leave they're kind of hanging around the camp the boy's like what the fuck dude I can't turn myself into the wind how the hell am I gonna do that I don't know how to do that. You're the alchemist, right? The alchemist's like, you'll figure out a way. Humans, humans have the tendency to figure it out when they're about to die, right? So the whole time he's just like, fuck this. Fuck this guy. What did I do? You know, why did I risk everything? And the girl I love and everything. It's shitty again. I just made all this money. I just got robbed. And he's freaking out. And the guy's like, look, that money. <clears throat> Earned you three days of your life right there. Now you have to figure out what to do with the rest. So the boy starts going out to the cliff. And since people started thinking, all right, this kid's a sorcerer. We're going to leave him alone. They didn't fuck with him. So he was able to go off to the cliff and think. And he would go out there and he's like, God, how the hell am I going to do this? I can't turn myself into the wind. This is crazy, right? This is where the book got kind of a little wild. <laughs> Three days go by and the, everyone goes to this hill where the kid is, and he's like, All right, I'm gonna uh and the whole time, you know, he's kind of thinking of the teachings, the peoples he's met, and all this stuff. But he had stayed this time in the desert, and he had gotten closer to the desert. And uh, and this is the portion of the book where I it kind of lost me a little bit, but um he starts. He sits there, the, the whole tribe's out there, just kind of watching him, and he starts having a conversation with the wind, right? Was it the wind? No, he starts having a conversation with the desert. Starts talking to the desert. The desert's asking him about what is love and and all this stuff, right? He's having kind of a transcendental spiritual experience. He's on the verge of death, I suppose. Um... The desert says, well, you know, they had a good conversation, but the desert says, but I can't turn you into wind. You're going to have to talk to wind, right? So then I will I will push the sands so that you can talk to the wind, right? So then the sands in the, in the desert kind of start burling up around the kid as he's standing there in front of everybody. And um, the wind comes by. He starts having this transcendental talk with the wind and they talk about life and love and their per- and personal um their personal legends pretty much what their role in life is wind says this is great and all but i don't know how to turn a man into the wind right then he says well who can i talk to that might <laughs> and the wind says i don't know let me help you talk to the sun so the wind started going fucking crazy Whew. Now there's wind and sand going crazy, crazy around the kid while these people are just sitting there watching. Now the horses start kind of freaking out, right? They all start freaking out. Uh, the tents are being pulled. People are starting to like, be like, oh, okay, this is trippy. And the the chief, though, he takes note of that. He says, all right, because these are men of war. He said, All right, whoever, whoever I see that's cowering that wants to leave around here, I'm gonna make note of that later and kick them out of here because they don't deserve to be in this in this tribe. <clears throat> so all this is going on, the wind starts blowing even harder so that he can talk to the sun. Now he's talking to the sun, and the sun's kind of you know over him, kind of shining a light while the wind is blowing and the sand is going crazy. And he starts talking to the sun. They start the same thing, talking about love, about personal goals in life or what your duty, what your role is in life. And the son talks about love as that he's got to, <clears throat> you know, it was almost like each step, the desert, the wind, now that I'm talking about it. And then, and then finally the sun. it was almost like each stage in his journey as well from from the taking the risk and selling the sheep, and then, um, working at the glass shop and learn what he learned from that man and then falling in love. Right. And now the sun starts talking about love as, um, loving the earth, but having to be at a certain distance, couldn't get too close because it would burn all of the living things in the earth. And he loved it so much that he had to keep his distance. Right. <clears throat> so blah, 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 all these kind of that, da- um, things are going to happening, and, same thing the sun's like dude i can't turn you into the wind you know this is great and all but i can't turn you into the wind and again the boy said well who can you know um and then he somehow everything gets quiet for him everything's quiet for him all while this whole rumble in the desert's going on around him it becomes quiet silent and he hears only the word of god and this is the first time where the boy himself mentions God because throughout it, you see God, you see, um, the, the Muslims talking about Allah throughout the book sporadically, you know, and especially in the, what is written is what is, or whatever the, the, the translation was, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) What is written is what, what it is, right. What will be. And, um, those are the mentions, but this time the kid for real has transcended. The kid is talking to God and about the same stuff. And in that, the kid realizes, and he's just become so close to who he is as a person in his heart. And he realizes when all this, you know, he's, he's just gotten even closer and all this is going on, makes him, makes it look like he kind of, he kind of disappeared or he got moved by this crazy cyclone in the desert. And the people are like, "Holy shit! He turned himself into the wind. This guy's fucking crazy, right?" So they earn their lives. <clears throat> They're able to leave there. The alchemist says, "All right, we have to go to this one place, and from there we split off. You have to go on the rest of this journey on your own." The alchemist takes him to, and this is, and you know, when all that ha- was happening, the alchemist is thinking to my, to himself, he's like, "This is my disciple." right this is my disciple um so like a proud teacher moment <clears throat> and um takes him the alchemist takes him to this monastery and in the monastery he says um he he goes can i use your kitchen to the monk him and the boy walk in and here the The alchemist pulls out, you know, these golden eggs and lead and starts cooking and boom, makes gold right in front of him. Fucking fat plate of gold. So here he sees the alchemist finally turning lead into gold. Everyone talking all that shit about the alchemist, what he can do and this and that. And the whole time the alchemist just been cryptic and stoic and giving just life lessons but not really showing what he could do. And here he is doing it. He splits the gold into what was it? I think it was four parts. Splits the gold into four parts. Gives one to the monk, keeps one to himself, gives one to the boy, and then gives the last one to the monk. And he tells the monk, "When the boy comes back, you give him this one, All right?" <clears throat> and um, the monk, the the boy asks, "Why are you doing that?" And he says. Um, You've gotten robbed twice now. And he goes, um, when things happen, happen once, that's just a coincidence. When they happen two times, they're definitely meant to happen a third, right? Some shit like that. So he's basically alluding like you're going to get fucked up again, probably. So just in case here's some extra gold, cause you're prone to getting robbed as soon as you get it. <clears throat> You'll need it on your return. So there they split up. The boy goes to Egypt uh, he gets to the pyramids and he remembers, dig where you weep or something like that, right? And it was where where he wept. That's where he would find his treasure. So he got to the fucking uh, he got to the pyramids and he's looking at the pyramids and they're the most magnificent giant things he's ever seen. He's like, holy shit, I fucking did it! I fucking did it! I got here. I got to look for this treasure, you know? And, And when he got there, he didn't even care about the treasure. He's like, this is the most beautiful shit ever. This whole journey I've had is the most beautiful thing ever. Like, that was my treasure. I could literally go back right now and be happy. I don't even need to dig, but fuck it. While I'm here, let's look around. This is where I wept. So he looks down and he sees a scarab. Um and he realizes that the scarab is the omen and a sign for God in in the Middle East, right? And so, okay, that's a sign from God. He starts digging right there. He's digging, 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 digs for hours. <clears throat> Some bandits walk by, and they see him, and they go, um, they go by, and they start fucking with him. They take his gold piece from his bag, um, and the kid like is just like so paying attention to his dream he's like fuck it i don't even care take that piece of gold and they're like well what are you digging there what are you digging there more treasure and so they start beating his ass right they beat him the fuck up the kid thinks he's gonna die he's like fuck i'm gonna die here i'm gonna die um then they finally realize like all right this is all he's got he's, he's just crazy because the whole time that he's he's like this was my my personal legend my dream told me to come here and uh, one of the bandits picks him up, and he fucking shakes him, and he looks at him. He's like, "You're a fool for following your dream, or some shit, you know." He's like, "I've had, I've had a reoccurring dream. My dream is that I have buried treasure somewhere in like Andalusia, Spain, under this fucking olive tree by these sheep or whatever." He's like, "There's this fucking massive gold." He's like, "I'm not stupid enough to cross the sea to do it," and he leaves him there, and he walks away. And the kid is just sitting there, fucking beaten up, and he just starts laughing. He starts laughing. He realizes, like, holy shit, there was the treasure was where I'm from the whole time. The treasure was right there. So, boom, it kind of fast forwards to where he cleans himself up a little bit. He stumbles around. He looks at the pyramid, smiling, and he walks away. And he gets to the monastery, gets the. Uh, Gets the other piece of gold. The monk's laughing because he's like, oh, my God, you got your ass beat. What the hell happened? You know, the guy, the alchemist was right again. Um, so the kid takes the gold piece, gets back to, uh, goes. I don't think he even goes to the oasis. That motherfucker goes straight back to Spain. He takes that gold. He goes back to Spain, goes to dig under this sycamore tree or whatever the fuck olive tree it was, finds old conquistador gold that had never been, um, uncovered just riches beyond belief. And, um, and, and the kid, the whole time he's thinking about the real treasure was that whole journey. And, um, then it kind of ends off with him being like, well, I have to go see the gypsy woman because I have to give her a 10th of my treasure as I promised her. And, uh, And then after that, I'm coming for you, my love, or whatever, Fatima. So he's like basically alluded that he's going to go back to the love of his life, having had the adventure of his life, and having fulfilled his dreams. And now he was content and could die at any moment. And in those instances where he was close and on the verge of death, he was prepared for death because, you know, it would have been better to die there than having died and not done anything towards your dream at all. And so to me, that book was, it was a fun read. It was a good read. And it was symbolic, you know, through this, through this old story. And I felt connected to it in a sense, you know, and having, having just gone through what I've gone through in my life and seeing signs in my life. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, it was interesting for me to stumble upon this book when I did because I've been having those moments of, you know, the moment of like working at the glass shop. I've had that moment. The moment of the monotonous work uh, in the desert. I'm in that moment, you know. Um and just the the false the the fucking going out and trying something and eating shit and failing, you know, and it's a lot of what I've talked about in this podcast you know in in, in a certain sense um and the, the thing with the love of the life, too, it was like, if it's meant to be, it'll be meant, it'll, she'll be there. They'll be there because they understand. And what is, what is written is what it is, you know, whatever the fucking quote is, right? Um. And so, yeah, I thought the book was incredible for anyone to read, especially if you're an artist, especially if you're a musician or... An entrepreneur or some, or an author or anybody, anybody who has a dream of achieving something that you feel deep in your bones. You know, when I was 18 and I graduated high school and got into college and started kind of really finding out who I was as a person, I had a moment where I really got connected to whatever it was and it all made sense. And I, I don't know how to describe it. It was just like it was almost like every day was a a dream in a sense because it was like I was living for my dream, you know, of, of music, of what could I achieve, and the hope, and um, what I, what I thought that treasure might be, you know. And I'm still on this journey, and I'm still pursuing it because I still think what. What will happen? You know, I think the only time I'm going to stop pursuing this dream is when I'm dead. You know? Because it's, what else do I have to do? What else do I have to do other than um, share my ideas and whatever I'm tapping into? You know, I think that's my personal legend, my my duty in this life. Um, and I've said this before. About synchronicities, um, <clears throat> I think when you're doing what you are meant to be doing, you will start seeing <clears throat> these signs more regularly. Um, not to say more frequently, but more you'll be able to realize them and notice them, and and learn from them better and better. I think the more ingrained you are in your passion and what you feel your personal Legend is in this world, you know. <clears throat> so, I picked out let's see, I picked out a couple quotes, <clears throat> a couple quotes in this book. Um, I think this one was from the alchemist himself. He said, There is only one way to learn through action. Okay, he didn't. You know, the Englishman was all about reading and the explanation and and this, but not the application. The boy had gotten closer to the alchemist because although the boy did enjoy to read and get lost in a book for a little bit, he learned from his surroundings. He learned from the world. He learned through his intuition. That's what it was. He built up his intuition. He could read the animals. He could read the sheep. He could read people. He could read the signs, right? He had intuition. And the only way to learn anything is through action. The only way to get better at anything is through practice, is through that long journey in the desert, right? That's going to be lonely. The sacrifices you have to make when when you go for something big, something that other people can't dream of because they're in their own dream and you've got yours. It's going to get lonely because you have to work at it, you know? Not to say that there won't be support out there because that's what this sh- this story showed as well. You go out there and although the boy started this journey practically alone, met a handful of people that shaped his life. So if you have to go out to a show, like for me, I, going out to the shows, making music, I went out alone, right? I have groups of friends. I'm a, I'm a low-key, quiet dude who... I can be outgoing, but I'm not like the most outgoing guy in the room. I'm not this loud guy who's just buzzing with conversation, all right? I'm kind of a low-key, quiet dude, right? But I have tons of friends, all from different groups and different aspects in my life. And I think that's because with the example of music and going out to making music, and I went out alone, you know? That's how deep in love with that I was. And that's how passionate I was about that. That, uh, you know, fuck the anxiety, fuck the doubt, fuck this, fuck that. Put yourself out there. Drive down to Miami alone to play a show with 15 other people, maybe 10 other people, and just meet a gang of artists, right? And connect. And those people became really close friends. A lot of them, you know. <clears throat> they're, they're some of the reason why I even have this podcast. Because it's like I've met such cool, interesting people that I've, I just want to have on the podcast. <clears throat> Anyways, that's just one quote. Uh, what other quote? Let's see here. Um, he still had doubts about his decision. But he was able to understand one thing. Making a decision was only the beginning of things. When someone makes a decision, he is really diving into a strong current that will carry him to places he had never dreamed of when he first made the decision. So, <clears throat> it's very common. That's very common to have the doubts of the decisions you make. Especially when you're getting your ass beat in the middle of Egypt, right? At the, at the place where you finally got to. Um, or, or selling all your sheep and getting robbed right when you fucking get to where you, you know, the beginning of your trip, there are doubts, there are doubts when you go for it. And then, but that is the thing too. When you take that leap of faith, when you go for something, when you, when you start taking action. And you make that decision, you have no idea what that decision right there just rippled in your life and the outcome of what that's going to take you to. My example with that would be um, skateboarding. Being a skateboarder, having so much fucking love for skating since I was a young kid, 10 years old. um, I was not the star student. I was not a scholarly student. I was not a high scoring student. I was very lazy. I didn't like school, right? Went to college, studied art, just wanted to be an artist. I didn't know how. I just want to make money from art, sell paintings. How can I get big? Blah, 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 right? I just want to be the guy. Didn't think that I'd ever be a teacher, but skating, having been such a skater, whatever, talk about signs in life, this place that I fucking worked at when I was um 24 to 26, <clears throat> I worked at this place, restaurant, and every day, every Monday, we had these two people come in. It was an older man in his fifties and a younger chick, and in her twenties. They were both surfers, and they were always like discussing business. Right? They were always like kind of like they were having little business meetings there. And I see them every Monday because they had we had the deal of you buy a burger you get a beer for free for $8. It was like ridiculous. So fire burger too. After a while, he says to me, you know, you skateboard. Hey Roman, do you skateboard? And I look at him and I just kind of laugh to myself like, yeah, bro. Like what? That's crazy. How do you, how do you know that? Because, or how could you tell that? Because I've been skating since I was 10. I've been skating my whole life. I love it. Right he goes, I just had a feeling, man. I could just tell you're you're a fucking skater. And he goes, how would you like to work for us? You know, he saw how how I worked there. He saw how I was with people. He just could read my energy, you know. And we had our conversations and this and that. But never had I really talked to him about skating. And I said, well, well, what's the job? And he says, well, we have contracts with uh, schools all over Palm Beach County. And we teach skateboarding after school. And so, if you want to teach, you know, an hour a week, three hours a week, five, you know, five schools a week, whatever you want to do, you know, we'd totally be on board with having you. And boom, that was the first step into me getting into schools. That was the first step into um, me getting into where I am now or being open minded to go for where I am now. To be a teacher, an actual teacher. Um, and look, that was all from ripple effects. Worked at this, worked at that restaurant there when it was uh, Sonny's. So a whole different restaurant, a whole different owner. Got sold to another owner. I was still there. That owner decided to sell it or rent it to the other restaurant. So fucking fired everybody else kept me and the cook because we were the OGs of the place running it and kind of put us in the deal for the guy to hire us and uh the new guy hired us I worked there so three owners I'm in this restaurant I've I've been at at school in college um just fucking painting and you know, making music and skating, and you know, girls, and just living the life, right? And the whole time, I, th- I think I'm going for my my dream, my my aspirations, my goals in life. I'm seeing signs in life, and here comes someone who ends up being a mentor in my, you know, for the for the next couple years. From then on, <clears throat> and kind of had this ripple effect of me being where I am now. And I can reflect on that. I can literally look back and trace it like that, like those ripples of working at a fucking restaurant, getting a job at a restaurant. And you know who got me that job at a restaurant? It was um, Savannah Lammers, who I had on the podcast about uh, a couple episodes ago. Great podcast. She's a dog trainer. And that one was one of my favorites um, in terms of discussion and stuff. But she got me that job. (laughs) So, uh, you know, and I'm, I've just met so many cool people along the way and so many people that have shaped me and I think the outcome and trajectory of life. And the thing with the book too, it's like the treasure that you find, it's like not the initial treasure, you know, that you might have thought of. And this is something I've talked about <clears throat> separately several episodes I th- ago. I think it was about, um, you know how I've like, I thought what, what success in music was and what most of us, I think would think that success is in music, which is selling at you know, selling uh, millions of, of copies and, you know, getting signed and going on tours and being giant artists and this and that, and, you know, being, being the top, everything right. Mainstream. You think that's success. and, this whole time I've been chasing that and probably not as hard as I should be chasing it because I don't do the most important stuff about it. And which is that's marketing. (laughs) They just put yourself out there. Right. Which I do. I'm just lazy or I have arrogance and my arrogance is like, well, it's good and people should just look at it. It's like, bro, this is so saturated, right? That I need to put more into the marketing. That might be even more important than everything else. I've got a catalog. You should just market everything. Right. But I've realized throughout this time that that initial dream of what success might be, where when in reality success was right in front of me. right? I said that's like something like that in the podcast several episodes ago, And here I am reading a book that has a similar passage that connects me to that about it, in, in a sense of like, you know, the treasure was right in front of me the whole time. I've been living it. I'm living the treasure. I'm living the fucking life I've dreamed of. You know, maybe not in the exact dream or, or what I thought that dream would bring, the treasure that I thought it would bring, but goddamn, I'm still doing it, right? I'm still making music. I'm still influencing people, right? I influence people for music and art and skating, and I, I can't tell you enough that every single day I, I have interactions with people, it's, it's spiritual, you know because i can't stop myself from giving some sort of little life i don't know outlook those those deep conversations between the alchemist and and the boy or the boy and the king or the boy and the the and his girl or the boy and the you know all these uh, and the, the the crystal shop owner they had some good conversations too you we know, learn from everybody and i like having those deep conversations with people you know I, to me that's more appealing and that's more of my speed in a sense i don't know and i think that's because of how i've just gone about life i've i've followed my heart i've followed the signs and so anybody that's following the signs following your heart take a read at the alchemist i mean this was fucking great i think the book is <clears throat> was written in the 70s. Let me see here. I think the book was written in the 70s. And he's got tons of other books. And again, short read. It was it was memorable, it was meaningful. Um, a nice little fable, you know? And so if you're into that definitely check it out. I had a good time. Let's see. I wrote one more quote and then I think I'm going to get out of here because this one was a little longer than usual. Um, The last quote Remember that wherever your heart is, there you will find the treasure. You've got to find the treasure so that everything you have learned along the way can make sense. All right. Wherever your heart is, that is where you will find the treasure. All right. All right. I'm gonna let you go with that. Thank you for tuning in. Do what you love, everybody. Do what you fucking love. All right. Peace out. You
1: know how I stayed alive this long all these years? Fear. Fear keeps you high, and I'm not running low. Lungs turning black, I got tons of the smoke. Tons of the Just like the women, they come and they go. Under control. Stay 100 for sure. Fear keeps you high, and I'm not running low. Lungs turning black, I got tons of the small. Tons of the smoke. Just like the women, they come and they go. Under control, stay 100 for show. sure. Yeah, all don't really want it when make it, but I'm gonna keep it deep and Swimming in the deep and living for the weekend. Now I'm always speaking to a Betty and she wanna get the freaking, cause she wanna Puerto Rican. Plus, I got a creepin' on my gram, give a damn what she's seeking. Uh, never worry about the word of mouth, not concerned what you heard about. The record, make the people bounce ain't no thing baby scream and shout clear the way and i'ma lead you out love and pain without a little doubt always change gotta work it out man it's not the same as here and now uh, fear keeps you high and i'm not running low lunch in the black i got tons of the smoke just like the women they come and they go under control stay 100 for sure Sure. Fear keeps you high and I'm not running low. Lungs turning black, I got tons of the small. Just like the women, they come and they go. They come and they go. Come and they go. Under control, stay 100 for show. sure. I've been on the road in a black coffin. Hot boxing, bopping, getting in the head till I'm popping. Locking, mad options, I'm profit prophet. God, show you what to do like a bopping. Drop it loud, stop it, y'all. If you got the green and you got that raw Life is but a dream, while well, it's all a show I've been doing me cause it's all I know Whoa, yeah, yeah oh Losing all my loved ones, takes is told Heads just Say saying Woman, the world so cold, but my heart's been froze Whoa, whoa, not yeah, yeah, bold Always had to question what we're told Got a good hand that I'll never fall But some of my demons won't let me go Cause, cause you lying, I'm not one to i turning black, I got tons of, the smoke. Tons, of the smoke, tons of the smoke Just like the women, they come and they go, and they go, and they go. Under control Some of them have to Fear keeps you high and I'm not running low. Runnin low. Runnin low Lungs turning black, I got tons of, the tons, of the smoke, tons of the smoke Just like the women, they come and they go, and they go, and they go. Under control they want it for sure. sure. Oh, you got a murderous rage in you. I like it.